Grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Our text for our sermon is our gospel history, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. To remind you of that account, I will read the first three verses. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. This is the gospel of our Lord. In human eyes, things had gone terribly wrong. He was the Messiah. He did things that showed he was the Messiah. And then the Sanhedrin plotted his death and murdered him. That's how it appeared. It was Good Friday as he was placed in the tomb. Two men, both members of the Sanhedrin, bold enough to ask for his body. Joseph of Arimathea giving his tomb, a new tomb to him. Nicodemus doing what was considered women's work at that time. He brought two spices along with him and they hastily prepared the body. They put those spices there because the decomposition stench would get pretty bad. They sealed the tomb and walked away. When the sun said it was the Sabbath and you were not supposed to touch a body or you would be unclean. Nobody could touch it. Why did those women come to the tomb? Many of them, I often jokingly call them the Marys because most of them have the first name of Mary. You could say, hi, Mary, and cover most. Most of them had received his healing hand. They had received his love. And it was really the love he had shown to them that brought them to get up early in the morning. They got as early as they could. Soon as there would be light, they wanted to beat the heat of the day before the body could decompose more and begin to smell more and and properly prepare the one they loved because he had loved them so much. They hastened to the empty tomb, not knowing it was empty. And it's why we're gathered here this morning ourselves, to hasten to the empty tomb. They hastened to serve the Lord, although they did not realize the service they wanted to give was not the service they were going to give. They served out of love. Their faith was confused. They didn't understand this was all part of God's plan to die for our sins. And yet they came. These were the women who were bold enough to come stand at the cross. Only one, one of the 11 disciples had the backbone to do that. Jesus' best friend, John. These were the women who stood up and did the work when nobody else would. Like I said, this was often viewed as women's work. And we've got it, not in a derogatory way, just was reserved for that. And we've got to be thankful for Nicodemus' faith that he was willing to at least do something that Good Friday night. These women came with servants' hearts because they loved the Lord. We often have a problem not wanting to serve. That's hard to mention when you look at our church and see all the service that has happened in this Holy Week and how much is given. Oftentimes we men are afraid to serve the Lord in the way he calls us or don't want to because we'll shrug it off as women's work. I won't bring the kids to Sunday school. I won't do the devotions at the home because that's women's work. No, that's actually in the Bible. God God says that's supposed to be the man's work. Because he's supposed to represent Christ as a mini-model in the family. Oh, in today's day and age, we often rush off with the kids and the family, rushing them off to soccer, work schedules, different things. And, And sometimes we're not willing to serve because, well, we just excuse it off as we're just too busy. One of the greatest ways that we'll shrug off work is the old, it's somebody else's problem. Usually by thinking somebody ought to. Somebody ought to do this, somebody ought to do that, but that somebody should not be me. 
And one of the greatest reasons why we're afraid to serve the Lord? Ridicule. Persecution. Oh, in America, they don't throw stones at us or flog us, but they will ridicule us, right? Those women had come to serve. They had passed all that off, and what was their motivation? Simply God's love. Their faith was confused, but they had trusted in Him as the Messiah. And amazingly, the way they would serve is they got to be the first to hear the wonderful news. The angel said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Yes, God would give them a different kind of service, and His resurrection means that they would be the first to hear the gospel message of sins forgiven. We're forgiven, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're forgiven for our sinful nature that will find ways to get out of serving our Lord. Why? Because Christ served us. God became man. God suffered the punishment for our sins. God rose so you and I can have eternal life. The empty tomb is very important because it proves that Jesus was not a con artist. I remember some years ago, David Koresh in Waco, Texas, claiming he was Christ who returned. And the Bureau of Alcohol, Firearm, and Tobaccos, because of things he was doing, proved him to be no Christ. A con artist who was taking advantage of people. The empty tomb means Jesus was right because he had told them he would die. The scriptures had prophesied his death and resurrection. The empty tomb means Jesus is no mere man. He is God who took on our human flesh. If he was just a man, that body would still be there in the tomb. And there's a wonderful thing for you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, because that empty tomb is a receipt God the Father gave us. The God-man is our substitute. He lived in our place. He said it was finished on Good Friday, meaning the work of our salvation was done. And if it were not done, He would still be in that tomb. But God the Father accepted the full payment for our sins. You and I need not, nor can we contribute to it. The empty tomb for us is important because it means your sins and my sins are paid in full. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us not kid ourselves. Everybody in this room this morning has suffered the death of a loved one. It's painful. It's terrible. It's agonizing. If we were unbelievers, we would have no hope. We'd probably run around moping all the time. But because Christ rose, not only do we know that we will rise, but we know when we lose a brother or sister in Christ, whether they be 90 years old or a day old, we know we will have a big family reunion. Christ's empty tomb means we will rise and it means we are brothers and sisters in Him. Those women came to serve the Lord. They'd hasten to the tomb and they were the first to see the good news. And then the service God had in mind for them to provide was not that they would get to prepare his body. Instead, they would get to not only be the first to hear the gospel message, they would serve the Lord by being the first to proclaim the gospel message. They had believed in the Lord, but their faith was confused. They had loved the Lord. That's why they came to serve Him. They had followed Him all over Galilee. See, they had a sinful nature. Even though they had heard it before, Jesus had told them they'd heard it right from His lips. He was going to die and rise again. Why did they have such a hard time? You and I would be no different. We have such a hard time. 
It's because we have a sinful nature. And it's because of that sinful nature that we need a Savior. You see, our sinful nature hates the Word of the Lord. Follow me through because it hears the Word of the Lord and it knows the Lord has crushed it and beat it. Our sinful nature does not like hearing the good news of forgiveness in Christ because it means the new person that believes in Christ, the one that the Holy Spirit has created in our heart, lives. Every time you hear the good news of forgiveness, God's Word is taking your sinful nature and beating the stuffing out of it. Now, our sinful nature fights against that. Put it in perspective. If I knew every Sunday morning at 1015, if I drove up on Casper Mountain Road at Park, I was going to get the snot beat out of me, left bloody and near death. Do you think I would go to that? Maybe once. Our sinful nature hates the word of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the empty tomb is a miracle. But you know what else is a miracle? A very act of God's supernatural power that you're here this morning. Because your sinful nature did not want you to be here. And you know the greatest trick it uses on us? It gets us to forget what we've heard. We can't remember it perfectly because of that sinful nature. And, I, and I, I'm no different, brothers and sisters in Christ. It often amazes me. He'll say, Pastor, you know that thing that you said in last week's sermon? Why, no. Uh, unfortunately, I hit the delete key to make room for this week's sermon. My sinful nature doesn't like remembering it either. But you know what? I can't remember what I ate for breakfast last Sunday, but I was still nourished. Those women came, hastened to the empty tomb to serve, and they ended up getting to hear the gospel proclamation. And that in and itself was the cure to their sinful nature. The angels spoke the word of God to them. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Oh, oh yeah! That's why we come and hear the word over and over again. We too need to be reminded. And God loves to remind us. Unfortunately, our sinful nature also has a dirty trick. It uses pride. Okay, I got it. I learned in Sunday school Jesus died for my sins. I had to memorize John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Got it down, done. I can stay away. The Apostle Paul gives us a warning in his letter to the Corinthians. He says... If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Those women who truly loved the Lord needed to be reminded. If that doesn't stand as a strong enough warning for us that God wants us to come to his word and be reminded regularly, look at how the apostles reacted. Those women came to serve, and in the service they got to give was to be the first to tell the gospel message. Our sins are forgiven. The tomb is empty. But how did the disciples react? When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. The eleven apostles, remember the one had betrayed, he's not living anymore. He, he, he despaired and didn't trust in forgiveness. These were the big guys, brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus had handpicked them, even told them, you did not choose me, but I chose you. These were the ones who were to make sure that this good news was taught properly and not taught in error or watered down. And most of the time they were at his side. 
I spent with the equivalent of nine years of training to be able to stand in front of you. These men got for three years to hear it right from Jesus' mouth. I envy them, not in a bad way, but how wonderful. And they didn't get it. They had more instruction than anybody else. They would be the apostles. They were inspired to write the scriptures. They should have remembered Jesus. Peter himself chewed Jesus out one of the times Jesus said, By the way, here pretty soon I'm going to go up to Jerusalem and die for your sins. And Peter said, Oh no, Lord, enough of this foolish talk. They'd heard the gospel the most and it didn't stick with them either. They were the ones who were to spread the message after the ascension. Say, He's risen, our sins are forgiven. And when the women come, they don't recall Jesus' words. Remember I told you, trick the sinful natures to get us to forget. Probably thought this was just the idle chit-chat of, you know, some hens who got together and got started a clucking and eventually convinced themselves of something they were wrong about. Two of them at least would go investigate. But you know what? Those women came with servants' hearts. They hastened to the early tomb, not only to serve the Lord, but to hear the gospel proclamation was the result in getting to proclaim it. They were the first with the good news. And that means we're forgiven, brothers and sisters in Christ. I've spent some time pointing out how our sinful nature does not like the word of God. And that's why it's such wonderful news, that empty tomb to hear, and God has forgiven you, and he still sends his word to you and I. We're only told of Peter in today's text, but the other three Gospels, we are told that John also went to the tomb. In fact, John beat Peter to the tomb, but he doesn't go inside. He stands outside and marvels. So let's switch. We've gone from the women who came to serve, and they ended up to get to proclaim the Gospel message after they heard it proclaimed to them. Now we get to be with those two disciples and marvel at the resurrection. John beat Peter to the tomb, but what did Peter do? We're told, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Think about what Peter sees. Okay, brothers and sisters in Christ, what he sees with those strips of linen lying there, and we're told in John that when he saw those strips lying there, John 20 verse 7 says, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head, the cloth was folded up by itself separate from the linen. Now, the Sanhedrin had said, this man was a shyster, and and we'd heard that he claimed he'd rise again. So Pilate said, seal the tomb, and gave him some soldiers to watch over it. It didn't work out too well. Those women who'd come to serve, they were wondering who would unroll the stone. It was already open for them. But if somebody had stolen the body, would the claws be lying there? Would something be folded up nice and neat? Uh Uh-uh. If you're trying to get this away, you would grab that body and go. maybe thought the Sanhedrin was pulling a dirty trick on them. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, you cannot deny that a man named Jesus existed in history, lived in Nazareth, died in Jerusalem under the charges of the king of the Jews. Do you know why you can't deny it? Because they have found a document in Rome that dates to this era from Pontius Pilate recording it. You cannot deny the existence of these people. God has scattered the proof of it in history. So unbelievers, sometimes under the name of Christianity, they call themselves liberal Christians, they try to go with the swoon theory. The theory that Jesus swooned on the cross. If he didn't really die for our sins, we're in trouble. Never mind the fact that when the soldiers came to break his bones so he would die, they found him already dead, so they shoved that spear into him, which would have pierced the lung, the heart, and a couple of other vital organs. They say that Jesus just swooned. Now, if you just passed out 
and you wake up in a tomb, are you going to take your time and fold up the stuff that's covering you? What Peter sees seems to be somebody's apparated out of what he was wrapped into and folded that cloth up. How did Peter react? We're told he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, the Holy Spirit inspired the men to write the Bible in Greek. And the Greek word that is used there is to be amazed. To be amazed in awe, to marvel at in awe. Peter does not expect an empty tomb, and when he sees it with his own eyes, he marvels in awe. Oh my, oh my, it's empty. What does it mean? He would marvel at it and start connecting the dots, especially after Jesus gave him a measure of the Holy Spirit to really connect them. Oh, that's right. He said he's going to die for our sins and rise again. It's why we're here, brothers and sisters in Christ. We marvel at the empty tomb. And God has given us the tools to do that. The big tool is his word. His word that shows us our sin and assures us that our sins are forgiven. And that word, we come to hear it on Sunday mornings, to hear it preached. We study it. We read it. If, and you're free to take one of these devotions. If you don't, they're just going to sit there. and They start in April. Please take one. Daily, just a short, takes two minutes to read, to marvel at the empty tomb and what it means to you in your life. Marvel at how that means your tomb will be empty. Marvel when you lose a child or a loved one or a brother or a sister or a best friend or a grandparent or mom or dad. The tomb is empty and theirs will be empty. And our baptism is combined with the Word. And it reminds us because when we were baptized, God sealed that Holy Spirit in our hearts. The new person lives in us that beats up that old person. And we feed that new person with the Word. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we get to taste forgiveness. Yes, we marvel as God gives us the instruments to do it. The empty tomb is a scientific impossibility, brothers and sisters in Christ. Today we forget the scientific method. It's quite a neat thing. And, and oftentimes people get bullied under political correctness to deny true science. But I'm here to tell you the empty tomb defies science. It's against reason. It's against worldly wisdom that God would become a man and allow himself to be rivaled by people who hate him and actually pray for their forgiveness and remain there and suffer a criminal's death. And it defies reason that the tomb is empty. It's foolishness to the world. But it's God's wisdom, and it's a wonderful thing for you and I, because God's wisdom He uses for your love. It is our salvation. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, just as those disciples, both men and women, hastened to the empty tomb, so this morning we hasten to the empty tomb as we do every time we hear the word of the Lord, to serve the Lord. We're serving the Lord when we hasten to that tomb, when we hear His word, to hear the gospel proclamation, and to marvel at the resurrection. Amen. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.